Louis Bonner was on a ship. He was traveling with what was probably his life's most important shipment. In the shipment were many, many precious bottles of champagne. This shipment was going to decide what both Louis Bonner's and his employer's life was going to turn out like. And he was traveling in enemy territory. And while he clutches onto his life and his future, he thinks this story started when he met his employer for the first time in Basel, in modern day Switzerland. But no, this story starts further back, actually way back to the time of the French Revolution. It was the city of Ross, about 165 kilometers away from Paris. The year was 1789. A dressmaker stood at the door of Saint-Pierre le Dame. It was a royal convent that housed and taught many young girls from aristocratic families. The dressmaker had in her hands a bunch of poor working-class clothes. She looked around cautiously. She was making sure there were no mobs around. The city was aflame. Songs of freedom were being sung. People walked around wearing odd-looking caps in the name of freedom. They had organized themselves into private militias. Many did not know it then, but this was to be a monumental moment in the history of the country of France. Though not called so at the time, this collection of events would go down in history as a French Revolution. The dressmaker made her way into the convent silently. She was there to find an 11-year-old girl called Bab Nicole Ponsardini. She dressed up the girl, who was the daughter of a baron and a rich industrialist, in poor working-class clothes. I mean, it was a French Revolution after all. Not very far away in Paris, clergy and royalty alike were being butchered. At this odd point in time, the poorer you were, the safer you were. Little girl Bab Nicole, running through dangerous streets after that in poorly made, uncomfortable shoes to escape from the convent, she might not have understood it back then. But the world was changing. It was changing especially for women. Many rules and codes were going to take away the freedoms of even the richest to take part in family business and to be able to write their own story. But this girl, who was saved by the dressmaker that day, would not give in. She would not stay put. Hello everyone. Welcome to Talking of Giants, a podcast where we talk about the stories of giants of various fields. In season one, we're doing brands. Today, we're talking about Vauve Clico, the famous maker of luxury champagnes. Many years after the French Revolution, in 1798, 
Bob Nicole stood in a cellar. It was a cellar typical of the city of Reims in the region of Champagne. Yeah, that Champagne. Roman quarry workers dug out huge stretches of cellars when they mined for rock many centuries ago. The region would later realize that these underground places were excellent natural cooling places to store the great wines of the region. But this morning had nothing to do with wine. It had nothing to do with business at all. It was a marriage. Her father Nicholas had survived the revolution which sharp wit and a bit of what can only be called Machiavellian instinct. An ardent loyalist before the revolution, he switched sides. He campaigned against the very king he helped crown years earlier. Because of this, he started holding important positions in the new bureaucracy. And one of the new bureaucratic organizations that had formed, the National Assembly, had outlawed Catholic religious rights. This meant that this particular wedding that was happening was illegal. So the families of the bride and the groom gathered in the cellar on that morning. And this secretive wedding early on a June morning where Bob Nicole married Francois Clicquot altered the course of her life forever. Now, let us leap a little ahead down the life of Bab Nicole Ponsardin, Bab Nicole Clico after marriage. She is now a slightly older woman at 27 and a vastly less cheerful one. She is dressed in black and she is looking over the vineyards that were now her responsibility. Merely weeks ago, the great tragedy of her life had struck. Francois Clicquot had passed away. He had been a man passionate about wines and this was an untimely death. The reason for his death was attributed to a fever which we today know to have been typhoid. He was very passionate about the locally made Vin Musso. Vin Musso is the sparkling wine that the world now refers to, with great admiration no less, as Champagne. With Francois gone, Bob Nicole had two options. One was the easier, more acceptable one for a woman of her stature to be a mother and the planner of parties and the host of events featuring aristocratic celebrities and many ones from the newly minted Napoleon Bonaparte's aristocracy. The other option for Bab Nicole was a more dangerous gamble. The gamble of trying to run the business herself. Champagne wasn't the mainstay of the Clico family at all by that time. Not by a long shot. It was a sideline. It was something they did apart from their main trade as textile industrialists. But Bob Nicole was not going to let go of the dreams of Champagne that she and Francois dreamed together. She decided this was going to be her life. 
dressed almost always in black henceforth because of her status as a widow bab nicole got to work she would come to be known as vove clico literally meaning the widow clico she studied and understood every aspect of wine making from the harvest to the bottling she was a pesky boss to her employees and a demanding customer to her suppliers slowly bit by bit she worked to make the bubbling wine a widely appreciated commodity champagne at the time was not the clear golden yellow bubbly prestigious wine that it is today it was sometimes murky and sometimes even undesirable to have bubbles in your wine but what helped her was napoleon bonaparte's personal interest in the growth of the area of champagne and the wine making industry of france as a whole françois clico her husband had not just left behind a hollow ambition for madame clico he also left a network of connections that he started building through his primary man in sales a man of german origin louis bonner this helped madame clico reached the courts of austria and russia which were then relatively untapped markets these markets especially russia gave the champagne house a slight first taste of success russians liked the extra sweet flavor of the wines and they developed a liking for the wines made by the widow clico from the lands of france without probably herself knowing she was making one of the first strong brand presences of the champagne world felt far away madame clico commanded such loyalty from her employees that louis bonner believed in her enough to make multiple perilous journeys through the years to various countries you have to remember this was war torn france these were countries that france was very openly antagonizing it was bad enough that he was traveling to sell wares during these troubled times he could have been looted his cargo could have been seized by an enemy army anything could have happened what made it worse was him trying to sell a commodity that napoleon saw as a personal pride the champagnes of france and he was selling these wines to the actual aristocracies of the countries that napoleon was going after this this was bad louis bonner was in trouble the whole of the clico business was in trouble this was going to cost dearly to the clico fortune russia very smartly banned the sale of french wine in bottles This was seen as a very deliberate and specific attempt against champagne of all wines not without cause because champagne was the only wine that couldn't be transported in wooden casks like the other wines so the rule only specified that bottled french wine couldn't be exported so the other wines in casks made their way into russia but champagne could not go because if you transported champagne in casks they would lose all their fizz and by the time they were in moscow st petersburg they would be pretty worthless 
this hit madam clico terribly and things got so bad in the war that at one point russian soldiers had even occupied the city of ross where widow clico lived armies were known to loot and plunder especially in a town filled with consumable luxuries like champagne it was a definite possibility bob nicole had her cellar sealed and she prayed she prayed to all the gods that be the champagne on the other side of the wall would have to wait in darkness till the end of the war the real golden moment of madam clico's life was to see and find out that the russian army was not as barbaric as she had expected they not only did not loot ross as badly as she had expected they purchased her champagne to celebrate their conquest of the rhone and when they finally had to retreat when the french army progressed they took this taste back with them in their hearts back to russia where they would wait for them to again be able to get their hands on the amazing champagne of vov clico now there always comes a time in every great story a time when the protagonist does something that seems so incredibly logical something that could have actually definitely would have wrecked their business indefinitely survivorship bias makes us think that these things are what make companies great but they are also what happen to the companies that you never heard of because they are at the bottom of the ocean but here's the thing sometimes as richly harmful as a decision could seem an entrepreneur sees only one way the way forward and this delivers the greatness that many men and women were born to inherit madam clico's time to gamble had arrived napoleon was failing her father already seemed to be shifting allegiances again this was obvious from the fact that he wasn't even there to receive napoleon bonaparte himself when he came to stay at their family property hotel ponsardin many believed war would soon end and russia would be open again for business starved of french luxury for a long time there would be a mad rush for the region's champagne here was the gamble louis bonner forever the adventurer took several thousand bottles of the best 1811 champagne and set off to the port of konigsberg which is in present day stalingrad from there the wine would be within striking distance of st petersburg before competitors like moat could reach after all getting all the necessary licenses widow clico would be ready to deliver but let's just be very clear this was not authorized these countries were at war this was illegal more importantly it was dangerous for the sake of convenience they were staking an incredible amount of product and probably the life of louis bonner 
on on his previous trip in fact louis bona was under strong suspicion of being a french spy he had written back to the company urging that the company letters never discuss politics because he was afraid that his letters were being tracked despite all this there he was on that ship to konigsberg sleeping near boxes filled with bottles of the most precious champagne even more than himself the champagne might have been in his prayers that night for champagne was no easy thing to transport those days it was not a refrigerated compartment the ships were not as well equipped to handle cargo as they are today i imagine it must have felt like a mother watching over a sickly child sleep as the boat rocked he would have just hoped that the years of labor would make it to the next morning as the sun rose the next day and the ship pulled close to port the sun was also to shine on the clico champagne empire not only did the champagne turn out to be crystal clear the mad rush to acquire the stock was crazy as slowly restrictions lifted the widow champagne would hit the market so hard that in the coming years young men as far as the united kingdom would just ask for a widow when they wanted the quality champagne this is by no means a comprehensive account of the incredible business acumen showcased by madam clico the letters that she wrote to her relatives during these times show the incredible will power she held and the way she managed her business to make it one of the greatest powerhouses of champagne to this day madam clico also heralded many advances in the champagne industry such as the riddling process of clearing up wine which is used to this day in major champagne houses the house of clico also trademarked their signature yellow labels and were actually one of the first wines to have such a domineering brand presence and one of the very first to have such strong branding and labeling the anchor on their logo to this day is a mark of a great champagne above all above all this is the story of the success of a woman a woman who went against her times a widow's place at that time would have been taking care of the children and maybe attending a few parties but widow clico went against the stream of time she did what many could only dream of it does give a tinge of cynicism to think that she had to be an industrialist widow and a baron's daughter to pull this off but here is the medicine for that tinge of cynicism she did pull it off and through that became a star fathers to look at what is possible it helps to keep up the hope for progress because in the words of oscar wilde we are all in the gutter but some of us are looking at the stars i'll see you next time today my sincere thanks to tilar j mazio the cultural historian whose book the widow clico 
inspire my episode about the great video clip. Thank you. Talking of Giants is a student wiki podcast hosted by Vikyat Mutyala. Soundtrack has been composed by Bertie Ashley. You can contact me Vikyat Mutyala at studentwiki5 at gmail.com. That is studentvikky5 at gmail.com. Hope you enjoyed the show.